0: Welcome to the podcast. Let the prophet speak. Today we continue our study of the book of Judges, chapter five, um, and we were in the middle of reading about the episode uh, of the defeat by uh, the prophetess and the judge Deborah, the female prophetess and judge Deborah, and um, and Barak, the uh, general of the army. Who led the people under the leadership of Devorah to defeat the armies of Sisera, who was the general of the oppressive king of Canaanite King Yavin. We read of the defeat as Barak charged down the mountain, leading thousands of, of uh, Israelite uh, uh, soldiers, charged down in Hartavar, the Mount Tavor, into the Kishon Valley where Sisera and his iron chariots and mighty army were encamped um barak successfully shook up the army caused tremendous amount of confusion and and slaughtered the army and we learned of the episode of how as Sisera cicero was uh running for his life away from barak and his and his troops how he tried to seek refuge at, uh, at the tent of yael who he thought would be friendly to him yael hit him in his tent and in the end yael assassinated sisera so we learned of how these two uh, women, and uh, Devorah and Yael, and one man, Barak, uh, led the Jewish people to victory. Now, the exact um, happenings, like what exactly happened, why was it that Barak was able to successfully um, take on Sisera's army, was not made clear in the last chapter, and we will hopefully find some hints in this coming chapter as to what may have happened. What. Uh, somewhat uh, miraculous or fortuitous events occurred that allowed Barak to attack Sisera. Um, and uh, certainly it wasn't surprise, which did help the Israelite army under Joshua in some of the wars, because they were not surprised. They were expecting an attack. Um, Sisra, in fact, came to camp there because he had heard an intel from Yael's husband that the people were gathering there so so why did not why was Sisera able to be conquered so easily there's something that was left out of the story now in chapter five we read what we're about to begin is one of the most remarkable works of poetry in the in Tanakh um, it is a, a song written by Devorah and sung by Devorah on the occasion of the victory. And in this song, we do hear a lot of details that give us hints as to who exactly Yael was. We get hints as to what exactly happened during this battle to allow Barak to have such, uh, what seemed to be such an easy victory over such a mighty army. Remember, this was an army that had been oppressing the people for many, many years. This was not, uh, and, 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 and it was a powerful army with the, the most modern weaponry of the time. So, but, but more, and we learn a lot of lessons from this song. Another thing that yeah, it's important to remember, uh, this may remind us, of some of the things we studied, those who have been uh, studying together with me since the beginning of this podcast when we read the works of uh, I, uh, of Isaiah and and um, and, and many of the, the 12 minor prophets. And we read a lot of uh, prophecies that were written in a poetic style and difficult language, written in a way that they should not necessarily rhyme, but with a meter and sometimes a rhyme written to be understood and sung. Or, or, or spoken in prose in, 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 in Hebrew and when, when one writes in poetry the, the language is, is kind of sometimes difficult to interpret what exactly did they mean so interpreting it and in general and then translating it into another language such as English becomes a challenge so here until now in the book of Judges and those who have been studying the book of Joshua This has mostly been narrative. It's relatively easy to translate. I mean, of course, there's words here and there that people can debate over their meaning. But for the most part, it it read easily and quickly. When we read now, a lot of what I'm going to say, similar to when I studied Isaiah and those other books, is going to be um, interpretations. And I'm going to bring different interpretations. And I'm going to try my hardest to convey a sense of what the original Hebrew says. But sometimes... Different translations can lead to a very different meaning, um, but I'll do my best to let the Prophet speak. So let's begin. Vatoshar Devorah, and Devorah sang, Uvarak ben Avinoam, and also Barak, the son of Avinoam, by Yomahu, on that day, the day of this great victory, Lamar sang as follows. And for those of you that have been with me this whole time know that I translate the word Lamar as as follows. Uh, there's a lot of debate as to how to translate the Hebrew term lemar, but that's been I've been consistent with that <laughs> Now it says here and Devorah sang and Barak Noam. so it's like he was a kind of a add-on just yeah he also sang but the primary song is the song of Devorah, the song the song that she sang and um, That's how it has been known Shirat wrote devora. That's how it's been known to posterity in history as her song um, it becomes clear as we go through the um The song itself, that it was Devorah primarily that wrote it and sang it. Verse 2 is uh, the next verse, the the beginning of the song. It already highlights the issue of the difficulty of translating. And here goes, And I'm not going to translate it easily. I'm going to tell you the different possible translations because there are many different possible meanings. One simple meaning, and this has made it into a most modern Jewish translations, such as the JPS, which I, I use very often, looks at this word. It all centers, the debate over the meaning of this phrase all centers on the meaning of the word of the shoresh, of the root, fe resh ayin, lefroah, befroah praot. Um, So the first one is looking at it in the language of Gadel Pera we find in the Torah, growing hair, right? Pera being, um, those that are familiar with the Talmud know the term Pera means the term letting one's hair grow. So probably the most literal translation of the words is when the people of Israel allow their hair to grow. B'fro'a b'Yisrael When they let their hair down. Now exactly what that means what does she mean when she says, when the people of Israel grow out their hair? Hair, presumably, would mean a sign of strength, as we'll see later on in this book with the story of Samson. Hair being a sign of someone's uh, virility and strength. Um, uh, so, befro'aproot be Israel would then mean, when the people of Israel are strong, and then the next phrase, behit nadav when the nation becomes dedicated, dedicates themselves, with hit nadvut, Adonai. That's when you, all of you, that she's singing the song to, should praise God. In other words, when the people are strong physically, and they are are mit nadvim, they they are dedicated in their hearts, that's when we praise God. In other words, the people have to be both physically strong and in their heart strong. That's one possible potential meaning. Now, when we look at the, uh, the most medieval commentaries, Jewish commentaries at least, translate the term uh, differently um, and it has a different meaning. So another possible meaning, and if we look in uh, Exodus uh, chapter five, four, when uh, Moshe and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, present themselves before Pharaoh, before the Pharaoh in Egypt, and ask Pharaoh to to um, to um, ease up the burden on the people and and to let them go to worship God. Pharaoh says, Aaron? Why Moses and Aaron tafriu Why are they making the nation turn away from, right? Neglect their duties, right? So the the language tafriu means to when people neglect when they leave aside when they don't do what they were when they when there's when they're free, when they're free, and this is not a good sense of free, but free from their yokes, all their responsibilities, they they give off, they, they um, neglect their responsibilities. If that's the case, and this is also we see similar meaning in Mishlei when it says Reish vikolon, p'ore'a musar. When someone uh, neglects musar, when he neglects rebuke, right? He then he it it it, it and the end result it leads to um to uh. uh to abandon and um, um, and 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 disgrace, uh, we see that in Mishlei uh, chapter thirteen, Param." Uh, when there's no leadership, when there's no vision, the nation goes um, uh, and neglects its duties. That's also in Proverbs twenty-nine verse eighteen. So Chazal, the rabbis uh, in the in the um, and Rashi take this approach that be Israel" means. When the people of Israel abandon their duties and and, and and this and we so in other words, it's reflecting the time when the people abandon their duty to worship God and to be faithful to God, and they go off and they wander into the worlds of idol, idolatry and immorality and so on, then uh, at like the, um, the Madras and the Talmud say use this as something bad. So the people, when they turn off in the bad direction, But then when the people then start turning back to God, The way to do that is by blessing God. So, which is the origin of the saying that the Talmud says when when God has an evil decree against the people, that's what happens when people neglect their duty. But for Aperot B'Ysrael, then when people want to turn around and when the suffering inspires them to, to turn back, what do you do? You look and turn to God and pray and repent. So, that would be another way of understanding this verse. A third way is to look at, and this is the way of the metzudot and the radak, when we see in the, the Torah, um, uh, the, the targum of nakam, right? The, the Aramaic translation of the word revenge is, is, is priya. Is, and, and we know in the Talmud, the language of lifroa is to repay. Right, which could be both good and bad, but it usually, but it could be to avenge from someone when you have when when you feel someone is indebted to you and they're not paying back, you take revenge. So bifroa piraot would then mean, according to those interpretations, bifroa um, um, uh, when the people right of Israel uh, um, are. Um, are ready to take revenge, be hit Nadav um, when the people get together, right? Um, so then, or um, I'm sorry, when this is how the Mitsudos translates that it follows, but for when when God wants through Israel to take His revenge, this occurs, but when the people of the nation. Are, uh, are, are ready to dedicate themselves Hashem, bless God for, for doing this, right for, for using the Israelites to take his revenge against the evil oppressive nations and he does this as a result of the fact that Hitnahdev um the people, have um, dedicated themselves. This verse highlights what I started this today's podcast with, how these three very dramatically different translations of this verse um, result in an extremely different lesson extremely different understanding um uh, and that's the difficulty of translating poetry but there we have it um three possible approaches three possible translations i did i just wanted to mention i i noticed in some of the uh, christian translations from the king james version all the way on to now somehow before meant that when leaders lead i'm not exactly sure there must be a scholarly way that they came to that interpretation I honestly don't know how exactly what the the background of that translation is. I think the three translations I, I just gave should be um, adequate. If you're looking in a translation that's from a non-Jewish source, you may see something very different that it's referring to leadership. Um, I am somewhat interested in knowing that, but I think I, we've, we've kind of beat that pasuk up as much as we need to. Verse 3. So bless God. We just ended chapter uh, pay, uh, verse two. Verse three starts as follows: She now turns. Uh, uh, um, Devorah now turns. Shimu milachim. Listen up, all you kings. Azinu roznim. Hear me. Listen carefully, all of you. Uh, um, roznim here is, is translated variously. Uh, other types of leaders. Now here, Devorah is standing as the leader of the Jewish people at this time. Here you have a woman. Who is a prophetess, she is a judge, and she just led a major military victory. She turns to all of the kings around her and says, Onochi, I, meaning I Devora, Ladonoi, I am for God. Onochi Ashira, I sing, I will sing. Azamer, to whom shall I sing? Ladonoi Elohe Israel, to God the Lord of Israel. These are extremely powerful words. Devorah is, is here clearly differentiating between her and her leadership versus the type of leadership that was so common among the rest of the leaders and kings in those days. Every other king takes credit in his greatness or in his being. You know, they would almost make themselves, in many cases, they did make themselves into gods. It is my power, my awesome might, my greatness, my wonder, my this, my that that makes me so powerful and great and so on and so forth. This is how the kings in those days used to do. Devorah turns to the kings at the height of her power, at the height of her greatness, at the height of her leadership when she has just managed to defeat a mighty army and she immediately says, Anochi, Lashem, I am for God. Anochi, what do I do? Ashira, I sing praise to God. And whose God do I sing praise to? Who takes credit? And you're going to see this theme develop as we read it. La Shem Elokei Israel. The reason why we won is because God is the God of Israel, the people. I led the people, and it is because, like I just said in the last verse, hit Um, because the people dedicated themselves, that God saved them. I'm not taking any credit to myself. This is an extremely powerful statement of Devorah, and something that we should... Think about for a moment Before we move on to the next thing Now Devora just turned her attention to To God So Devora says God When you left Seir Now there are various Understandings of this verse But clearly She's hearkening back to an old time And now remember They had just had this massive military victory So Devorah And I'm, I'm going to choose Um the, the, um, the Radak and the Evanezra's approach here. Um, Rashi and others, Mitsudos, take the tack, tack that that this is referring to the Torah. When you left Seir and that's referring to Sinai, the, the receiving of the Torah at Sinai, and they take a certain approach, it's worth looking at their approach. I'm gonna, t- go, I'm gonna take the Radak's approach and the Evanezra's approach, that they felt that this is looking back at the previous wars and victories when did the history of the jewish people and their wars of conquest begin it happened after they left egypt when they were in it the, after they were in the desert and then they started to approach the land of israel the first major wars were as they passed the lands of edom as you walked past Miste Edom from the fields of edom the verse continues those were the first nations encountered by the people under the leadership of moshe and as we read about in the torah they fought wars against nations there, the Sichon, Malach Amori, and Og Malach Bashan, those wars were fought and those wars were won. So uh, Devorah is looking back at God when he fought those, when he gave to the people. Now, Devorah explicitly does not go back here and refer back to the Exodus of Egypt, because there, and we've seen this before, we've seen this in Joshua, where the, the Exodus from Egypt was all God, without much from the people. But as they approach the land of Israel, there's more and more people involved and less and less overt God involved. So Devorah, therefore goes back to when the people fought the wars, not when God fought the wars. So, but but that's the special relationship. Azamer La Hashem Israel was how that led in to this verse. Hashem yitzay yitzay when you left Seir, and when you walked past, and you walked past the fields of Edom, what happened? Eretz Rasha, the land shook. Kam Shomayim Natafu, even the heavens poured forth their water. Kam Avim notfumayim, the clouds poured forth their water. Now, what does this mean? That the the, the so, so what it uh, the uh, the on the surface what this means is that the heavens poured forth their water, um, because the 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 people fought their enemies and won, and the heavens fought along with them. Now. This also might give us a hint, um, and I've seen this in some more modern commentaries, that what happened to the armies of Sisra was. Now remember, Sisra was encamped in Nahal Kishon. Anyone that is familiar with Nahal Kishon would know that it is a wadi, just like many wadis in the region. Uh, uh, it's, in a, it's in a low valley, which is usually typically dry, surrounded by mountains, and when there's rain upon the mountains, the Nahal will suddenly fill with water uh, in in a rapid way without much warning and if it's very heavy the wadi might overflow and turn the valley into mud and this gives us a hint as to what happened why was it that sisra got stuck and why was it that his his chariots didn't get anywhere and weren't able to help him all of his and the the hint here of Deborah is telling us that God, you came out with us and brought us through those great victories against Sihon and Og, and you brought us here. And here, the heavens poured forth water, their clouds poured forth their rain, and that's how you brought forth victory. And this continues in verse 5. Harim Adonai, those mountains poured forth their water from before God. Think of an image of Hartovar, Mount Tovor, with pouring its water that's flowing down from the rain into Nahal Kishon and brought us victory. Ze Sinai, this is Sinai. Now here is where Devorah pivots from the great military victories and the miracles that took God, that, that God fought, so to speak, alongside the people to bring about these victories. And here, Ze um, Sinai, this is uh, Sinai. This is the special relationship that began when God made this special covenant with the Jewish people that was based on the Torah. This is what happens before the God, God, the Lord of Israel. So God made this special covenant at Sinai and then from that flowed forth all of those victories. Now, Devorah looks towards leadership and an incredible display of humility. Again, instead of, she started off this, this song with humility, telling the other kings, I don't take credit for myself and make myself into a god. I look to God and I sing. Immediately she looks to, to um, judges who preceded her. Bimei Shamgar ben Anat. In the days of Shamgar, the, uh, the son of Anat, we read about Shamgar, he was the Shofet who defeated the Philistines with his ox goad. Yael, in the days of Yael, now this hint, and Rashi points out that this sounds very much like Devorah is saying that Yael, who we only know now as, as, as a woman um, who was brave and and took Sisra into her tent and assassinated him. But it seems from here that Yael was also a Shofetes, a judge, in her own right, and was actually a leader beforehand. Because she says, may Yael, in the days of Yael, Comparable to be Mei Shamgar, who we know Shamgar was a shofate. and but Ya'el was also famous, interestingly, for her weapon of choice, which was a tent peg. Shamgar was an ox goad, and Ya'el was a tent peg. In other words, they used measly farm implements or implements that uh, you know farmers would have chadlu or a But in their days, their leadership was not enough. Their leadership wasn't good enough. Because chadlu arachot, the people going on the path, this is referring to commerce. People were afraid to take the paths on the roads. They were afraid to travel from place to place. Those that walk through the pathways, through the, through the wilderness, you know, transporting things from one place to another, they had to take side paths in order to avoid the oppressing armies of, of, of Yavin that were you know, oppressing the people, harassing the people, taking taxes from the people, etc. This is verse 7. Those Israelites who lived out in the fields and farmed out in the fields, and and in the spread out cities and towns and villages that were unprotected, those those towns of Israel, the villages, ended. They they people um, ceased. Why? Because they all had to go into, into the walled cities for protection from the marauding armies. The people also, all of the people out in the field were gone. People weren't traveling on the roads. Commerce was over. People were afraid and cowering behind the walls in the cities. Those leaders were not enough. Ad shakamti devora until I, Devorah, stood up. Now this might sound a little bit, a little bit arrogant or haughty, but, but as we'll see from the context, you won't, it won't feel that way in a moment. She's, she's still maintaining, she's simply stating, it needed, it required me and my leadership to get up, Shakanti Aimbi Israel. I stood up as a mother in Israel. We see now how Devorah looked at herself, how she viewed herself, she viewed herself as a mother who cares about her children and stood up to the challenge when someone needed to stand up to the challenge. Yivchar, this is verse eight, Elohim chadoshim, the people, when they had chosen other gods, oz lochem That is when there were warriors, uh, right? I'm, I'm sorry, Yivchar Elohim chadoshim, when the people, when he, when the people of Israel chose other gods, new gods for themselves, and they abandoned God himself? Az Were there warriors in the gates? Did they have the hitnadvut, did they have the, the, um, the morale to stand as warriors in the gates of the cities to defend themselves? No. They were vulnerable. Mogain im Did anyone see a shield or a spear? The Arboim, L.F.B. Israel, among the forty thousand fighters of Israel, no, we saw nothing. No one got up to defend it because their morale was weakened because they were involved and steeped in idolatry and immorality. However, my heart, Devorah says in verse nine, Libi, my heart, lechokkei Israel. my heart was together with all of those leaders of Israel. Here, Devorah doesn't take credit for himself as a mother. As a, a as a mother in Israel, Devorah realized that she has to inspire the leadership of Israel and get inspiration from the other leaders. And as a term that she uses to describe the leaders, she uses chokeke. A chokek is one who is a legislator, who makes law, right? And who, and in a specific reference here, remember she stated Ze Sinai, it was the relationship that started at Sinai. The Khokikei Israel are the religious leaders. She says my heart is with them with these leaders. Hamit nadvim though, and my heart is with those people in the nation not just those leaders but the people and the real leaders right? But I 'm also with those among the nation who are mitnadvim, Nadvim, who are dedicated, who are ready to stick with it. They're not going to be Yvchair alohim Chadashim. They're not going to be the ones who choose the other gods, but the ones who are dedicated to the principles that Israel is supposed to stand for, Borhu Adonai. All of you bless God. Remember devorah is 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 putting her peg and her strength and her inspiration from those that lead the people. Um, properly those that are mit nadvim, those that are dedicated to God and then she turns her praise towards God so again she deflects um, credit from herself and puts credit on the other Chokakei Yisrael and the other leaders of Israel even though those other leaders of Israel didn't stand up to lead and, and, and lead the people to victory only she did even Barak Remember, we learned last time. Even Barak, who did follow her and did lead the people, refused to take on the leadership himself without Devorah in charge and Devorah on top of him. aton asonot Um, those who ride on on um, on on skinny donkeys. Yoshev al midin biholche al derech. Those that sit on the saddles, uh, saddle rugs, and those that go upon the roads. Siku, tell people about it. Remember, those people are, those are the ones that had to avoid the highways. Those are the ones that had to, couldn't perform their, 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 deliver merchandise and travel from city to city because of the harassing, marauding armies. Those are the people tell the story because they see it. They saw firsthand what it used to be before her victory and how order was re-established, commerce was re-established um, after her victory. Mikol, and now I'm going to complete the uh, the, the uh, 5a here. I'm, this is the last verse I'm going to read now and we're going to continue in the next one. But Mikol nechatisim bein mashabim. This is interesting. It's another place where there's different... different um, Ways of understanding it, but um, one way of reading it would be the the uh, more modern translators, like the JPS, translate it this way: "Mikol mechatzim bin mashabim," louder than the sound of mechatzim, meaning archers, um, which which one hears when one is out in the in the in the places where we draw water, because the archers, you know, louder than the sounds of those marauding armies which one hears when one is outside the walled city getting water and so on, Shom yitanu tzedkots Adonai. Those places, in other words, where, where we used to hear those mechatzim, those archers, those warriors, now instead let us say and declare the righteousness and greatness of God. Another way of understanding this verse, which is um, the way the Radak explains it, is mikol mechatzim bin mashabim you used to be afraid right of the archers when you went out to draw water right those of you who used to be afraid when you went there now go and give and say praise to the righteousness of god the righteousness of of how he has um the language we translated before as the the people that were spread out. The righteousness of how God is spread out among the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. That's when. When did the people come to the gates to defend themselves? When did they have the moral strength? The nation of God, when did they have the moral strength? When they were praising God and giving it to Kosashef. This is key to understanding this first half of the Song of Devorah, which we're going to continue and hopefully complete in the next podcast. And that is, that when do the people's morale, when do they stand up to defend themselves? Only when they have a bond with God. Only when they understand and appreciate their uniqueness, their specialness. And why? Because they have this bond and relationship with God. Without that, they're just like everyone else and they don't have the morale to stand up for themselves and they don't defend themselves. So the theme, if I had to boil it down to one primary theme that we just studied, that is, that without, our, Devorah is telling the people without your, the reason why under Yael and Shamgar it wasn't enough to rescue the people was because you did not have that special bond. You did not appreciate your bond with God. Once you realized and you turned your heart to the Chokikei Israel, to the Mitnadvim Ba'am, once you got that message, that's when you had the strength to stand up and fight. Thank you so much for paying attention to Judges 5A. Looking forward to studying 5B and of course the rest of this beautiful book of Judges together.